The left wing back coverage of the Carlo Football Championships is brought to you in association with Talbot Fitness Carlo, Connolly's Top Line Bagnerstown, Scats Bouncing Castles, J&J Services Tullow, Seamus Bourne Electrical, your number one for pitch floodlighting installation, Milano's Takeaway Bagnerstown, PFT Travel, the Arboretum Garden Centre, Ray Whelan Limited, Art Spas and Carlo Electrical Services. Yes, a very good evening. Welcome along once more to another edition of the Left Wing Back podcast. Uh, firstly, my thanks to Brian Dunahoo for filling in last week along with uh, Paul Bourne, uh, stellar job uh, from Dunzer and from Fisher. Uh, we are here to reflect on the quarterfinals of the Carlo Senior, Intermediate, Junior A and Junior B uh, football championships. And we are going to nosedive into the semifinals all of a sudden. It's week on week, as we know. And uh, it's uh, it's not been without its its fair share of dramas. Probably a little bit um, lacking in excitement, possibly at times today. Uh, although Lachlan and Bagnestown did get fairly hairy coming down the home stretch, but yeah, maybe in comparison to other weeks, not quite as exciting. But we have had um, a lot of moments over the last three days to reflect on, and backed by popular demand to reflect on them with us is Mister Mick Yaw. Mick, hmm. how are you doing, sir? Popular demand, false advertising, I'd say, Kevin. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I don't know about that. The feedback was good after the last one anyway, so uh, we'll rock and roll with it. It's a pleasure to have you back on. And um, you. I know you had a busy enough weekend as well. Yeah, yeah, loads on this weekend between juvenile sport and a little bit going on in Kilkenny there and then racing back up for games and things. But look, enjoyable, enjoyable. Yeah, there's nowhere else you'd rather be, I'd say, is there? No, absolutely not. No, it'll be over before we know it. Yeah, and there's worse things you could be asked to do. That's why I keep for saying sure. to ourselves, man, yeah, in two weeks' time, for me anyway, it'll it'll quieten somewhat. So I, I'm getting <laughs> away with that one the last few weeks, Mick. Hopefully we get another two over, you know yourself. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, you'll be going back in and trying to reintroduce yourself there. Yeah, I know. I know exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The joys of it, as the fella said. So uh, I'll actually start, Mick, um, in sequence of how the game's kind of panned out. So obviously, we were quite busy from a commentary point of view. We did the two junior a quarterfinals friday night we did the intermediate quarterfinals on saturday so we'll start with with the junior a and i i have to say and i'll put a disclaimer out there and i did in the piece during the week in terms of the previews that it was a bit of a minefield in terms of um trying to pick winners from a lot of those games now obviously you end up with a bit of pie in your face the way things transpire such as life but i honestly couldn't have foreseen um how good ballon were going to be friday night like there's no doubting they've talent in the ranks, but they absolutely blew O'Hanrahan's away in the first half. Uh, a first half hat trick from Peter Zarafa. Liam Brennan, absolutely magnificent. Ballon, in general, absolutely magnificent. O'Hanrahan struggled so much, Mick, that Mark Carpenter had to come back inside his own 45. I've never seen it in my life before, just to get some sort of a foothold in the game. And then a bizarre turn of events, I suppose, in the second half, where I think it was in around maybe say minute 43 to 46 the blues get three goal chances they've cut it back to in around eight or nine at that stage so they actually they actually could have been back on parity 
if those chances are taken. One of them, of course, is a penalty. Danny Thompson just didn't catch it. And then, despite having that poor period uh, in the third quarter, or you can look at the Blues having a very, very good uh, third quarter, Ballon were able to kind of just find their groove a little bit again and uh, were quite impressive. So, I mean, you'd know a fair bit about uh, you know a fair bit about these two teams, Mick. Um, it's uh, it's an interesting statistic, I think. I'll bring you in on this one, actually. This is the most interesting facet from it. If you were to be told beforehand that three of the semi-finalists would come from the group that didn't contain the Fighting Cocks, Tin Ryland, uh, O'Hanrahan's and Lachlan Bridge, you'd be saying, go on, you're having a laugh. That's how it's unfolded. It's mental. Well, the first thing to say is that the, the hallmark of the junior A in particular, uh, and a, maybe a little bit less so and even less so at senior, but it is unpredictable. And teams can really click on a given evening and look really, really uh, very, very good. Or it can it can get away in them. They can lose their way a little bit and fall asunder. The weather is definitely a factor as well. Like we've had we've had some change in conditions in the last couple of weeks there from from really chronic heat. You're looking for water breaks. I know you're looking for gloves and you're looking for anything to try and hold on to a greasy ball. So things really change there. Um, look, I think a key difference there between Ballon and and again I know Ballon were coming in on the back of a loss, weren't they? Ballon were coming in on the right. back of a but I mean, they really clicked. I mean, Peter Zarafa there, he's on the go a good while. He got three goals from 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 your, I got that from your um, feedback on it. Uh, Evan Carr, a very good player there. He kicked a couple of points. Uh, Fionn McCaffrey, um, Liam Brennan there, but he scored six. Is that what he got? Uh, yeah, was it six points? Play, I think, yeah. There, yeah. You know, like you're, 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 you're really going well then. The other thing to say is like, and I, I, like this is a kind of a backhanded compliment, really. When you've guys like Mark Carpenter, and Barry English and guys like this that are involved, right? Hats off to them. And I mean, they've been, they've had unbelievable careers. Mark Carpenter in particular, I mean, he was one of the best in Leinster in his day. Fantastic. But it's probably not a great sign that they're, those guys are playing for the top team in their club. And that's and that's what you're dealing with there with O'Hanrahan's. Like, like those guys are playing for the top team that they have available in the club. And as good as they are, you know, th- th- those guys are more the past than they are the future. And I think they come up against a balance side that have plenty of youth and plenty of freshness in it. And they obviously got a great first half, maybe lost their way a little bit. But that's not a criticism of the junior grade or of Ballon, because we're actually seeing that in senior games as well. We're seeing mm-hmm. teams that are maybe taking their foot off the pedal and losing their way mid-game. So can happen anyone. Absolutely. And I mean, mm-hmm. if this is the group scenario, I don't believe for a second that if Ballon go out and play the Blues next week, that it ends 4-13 to 1-10 in favour of Ballon. No. And again, that's not a criticism of Ballon. It's the no. nature of how these things unfold. Yeah, it's it, it, it look, probably the most, like the, the, the lower down the grades you go, the more difficult it is to predict with confidence. And you're talking about having an egg on your face. Like it, it really could be different on a different evening. And it's just a bounce of a ball. As you said, a penalty going in the back of the net changes the complexion of things completely weather conditions the the, the top teams you go inter-county you can predict with fair confidence who's going to come out on top right they will follow a pattern and it'll be structured and it'll be consistent but when you go down the grades like even into club itself and then down through the various levels in club mistakes will be made form is fleeting um we'll see when we talk about the senior later on uh, there's one player in particular I think is really a poster boy for that about how form is temporary but class is permanent, someone like Ross Dunphy. But yeah, it's it's just uh, on any given day, that's that's championship. On any given day, mm-hmm. anyone can turn it on. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, in relation to the second game Friday night, there, I've said this a few times since, but there was such a beautiful innocence about how St Mullins went about their business on, on Friday. And that's mm-hmm. everything. Look, we were having a bit of a... Actually, we're only having to crack myself and Joe. We were saying, you know, I think um, Lockton Bridge probably went out somewhere around, I'm going to say, 25 to 8, 20 to 8 for their warm-up. And I said to Joe, I'd say St Mullins boys are probably only going through Boris right now. And in the end, I'd say I wasn't too far out because mm. it was seven minutes past eight, I think, when St. Mullins called for the warm-up. Lockton Bridge went in at five past eight. Paddy Ball went out. No uh, training top, no tracks bottoms, no nothing. The number 13 on his back through the warm-up. At seven minutes past eight, in the pisses are in, <laughs> wind, everything, you name it. But every one of them walked up, right, with a smile on their face. And it wasn't that they weren't taking it seriously. They were enjoying what they were doing. And I was looking at the body language of Lockton lads. And again, this is not really intended to be a criticism. But I suppose at times maybe you can get maybe too serious about it. And I don't know that that filter into their play. But when we got onto the field of play and we saw what unfolded, I mean, it was just simple football. There was nothing, um, not really fancy about it. It was the, the basic skills executed to... A pretty high standard considering the conditions. Now, that was in the second half. The first half was garbage. I have to be honest with you. Conditions are no conditions. There was a lot of terrible mistakes. And, um, it was very low scoring, wasn't it? Was it, I was, was, it, was, it, was, it was it four points to 1-1 one, one, halftime? Four, yeah, four points to 1-1. One, one. It, yeah, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't good in the first half. But mm. um, one crucial moment, obviously, was when Mouse Cavanaugh went off one of these marauding runs, I suppose. Halted it just on the 21 because he knew James Dye was coming off the left shoulder, pop the ball to him, there's the acceleration, there's the goal. And that's simple football smarts. Like, that's the type of thing we're kind of talking about. Second half, Boland gets two lovely points. He actually won a mark at one stage and uh, didn't know what the referee was blowing him for. I don't know, did he realise he could have taken the mark sort of a thing? But they did the simple things right. They're a big, strong side. And the mad thing about it is, right, there's so much pace in the side they're not actually playing a pace, but they're playing smartly and they're still winning games. And I do believe they're going to be hard stopped. Yeah, well, I, I can only assume that for St. Mullins, this is a shot to nothing. Like they are, by all, you know, every measure you could talk about, they're a hurling club, right? Who mm-hmm. are playing a little bit of football. And now they're obviously climbing the grades because clearly any top team like they'd have would be far too good for Junior C. They proved that they were a cut above in Junior B and now they're obviously in the semi-final in Junior A. And as you said, there must be a huge kind of a fun element to them for them. Like it's, it's, I'm turning up to play a match. It's not too serious. There's no major expectation on me. We don't have a long-term football plan. Or maybe they do. Maybe I'm being unfair in them, but it certainly would be second fiddle to the hurling. And as you said, it must be a kind of a release. It's probably, there's probably a kind of a, a kind of a bigger discussion there about the fun in sports. Like, I can only imagine from a Lachlan Bridge perspective, and I, I'd say you're right, you'd have more of a handle on it than I would, but there, there had to be an anxiety, a kind of a, a desperation or an imperative to get back to a county final, having maybe felt as if they missed the chance last year with a, with a replay. But but that anxiety can tie you up, that, that stress of really feeling we have to do it, and that can weigh heavily on you. And especially if, the, if things aren't going to script, if you conceded a couple of goals and, and this is getting on top of you, you can tighten up mentally, physically, and you know, I, 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 it's going to be difficult now for Lachlan to try and rise that again because when you're making a bit of progress year on year, it's great. It's that bit easier to pull the boots back on in January and go do a bit of slogging. But like, it's going to be a difficult winter for them now. A bit of soul searching to do there, having lost 
the final last the replay last year and really given a good account of themselves, I think they're going to feel like this is a chance missed this year, you know. But yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Sure is. Yeah, it is indeed, Mick. Um, we have been reliably informed beforehand. Now, this obviously has to get official confirmation, but we're very reliably informed that the Junior A semi-finals will be Friday evening. The intermediate semi-finals will be together on Saturday. I think the first one, 3.45. I'm not quite sure which order they're in. Mm. Uh, and then sometime around uh, 2.15, I think, on Sunday, uh, the first of the senior semi-finals will be on. So what I'll actually do at this particular juncture, I will go through the draw. Um, so in the Junior B semi-finals, they're actually Sunday as well, I believe. Uh, I think mm. they're out in the training centre, possibly. Uh, Rafili versus Aerog and Aska versus Clomore. The Junior A semis Friday night. Fighting Cox versus Ballin. Now, I'm getting the popcorn for that. Uh, Pal versus St. Mullins. Intermediate semi-finals, Aerog and St. Patrick's, Clummore and Grange. Senior semi-finals, Raffili, Aerog, Tin Ryland, Bagnestown. So we will come to the other grades in a moment. We'll stick with Junior A mm-hmm. for a minute. Um, I didn't, I just would like to put on record, I suppose. Uh, and do you know what? When I'm putting it on record, I probably should get uh, the exact uh, the exact quote. So... Uh, in the match report with um, Ballon and I, I, I know, I know, I know where you're going yeah. with this now. Go on, yeah. I, yeah. I just wanted to make it perfectly clear. And uh, I said, for Ballon, they march on with great confidence and certainly will relish semi-final, particularly if they are drawn against Fighting Cox. Now, when I say that, I mean that from the point of view of being a local derby. And regardless of, of the local derby, you're going to be up for it. I did not genuinely intend anything else other than that. Um hmm. And what do you call it? Uh, Billy Fanning is a good friend of the podcast and I get yeah. up first with Billy. And I just want to make it clear, I suppose, I didn't mean anything untoward by it. Uh, by the same no. token, um, uh, I had to have a laugh tongue-in-cheek. Like, are, you, are you looking for an amalgamation? Uh, is, it, is this what we're trying to do? Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. but it obviously will add. It will add. Look, any semi-final is tense at the best of times, but like this will add another dimension to it. And yeah. it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be toxic or it doesn't have to be rancorous. No, it's for just, sure. For no, sure. It's just, it's, but it, it will add a dimension to it. There's no doubt. You know, it's very close yeah. neighbors there and it will add to it. And like, uh, there was, it's a derby to a large extent there with all locked in a Baglinstown today. I mean, all those lads would have gone to Pres de la Salle to school and they'd all know each other very well through other sports and soccer and things like that. It does add attention to it. It, it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a toxic rivalry. There are some toxic mm-hmm. rivalries, but you can have, by the way, I think the GA is based on it, you know, that, that tribalism. Mm. So that's tall. It should be great. It should be great. Yeah, I think I think so too. And yeah, you know, two very interesting semi-finals. Now, Paul have come into this. I didn't expect them to top their group, I'll be quite honest with you. I'm also not really au fait entirely with what their personnel is like. Um because I simply have not got to see them. Same. And I, I don't like it could be changing. Like, again, you go back to the difficulty of trying to predict uh, in the junior grades, like the, the personnel can change from from match to match, week to week. Um, and a kind of a settled pattern of player ranting often doesn't happen because there are fellas dipping in and out or so and so is available this week and not next week. What I will say from Pal's perspective, that I think it's interesting that Pal are in that semi-final because clearly the whole focus in the club, I imagine, at adult level is going to be on the predicament they're in at senior. I mean, to go from to go from champions to relegation, like certainly wouldn't have been part of the plan. They, they must be knocked for six a little bit there. But they'll also be clinging, they'll, they'll be kind of clinging to a bit of a good news story there by being in that semi-final. And, you know, it'll, it, it'll take on extra significance, I think, because of it. So, like, Paul have some very, very good players. 
that are maybe finished playing senior or just aren't quite on the senior panel there yet. They'll have lots of talent in that. You know, fellas, fellas with maybe with, with a few senior titles behind them there as well, still still talking out. So that they'll be formidable, like. Yeah, for sure. And we won't go into the predictions because we might actually write a piece there later on if we can uh, recover well, from predict, the, predicting, the... predicting, predicting juniors tough going now. You know, yeah, you will end up yeah. in your face. Yeah, yeah abs- absolutely. Well, I tell you, I've uh, I've a dozen of them, I think, on me, on me face, or at least half a dozen anyway. Uh, well, you were hot, last, you're, 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 you're <laughs> hot a few weeks ago, so you can't have it everywhere, you know. That's it, yeah. Blowing blow hot and cold. It's my biggest problem the whole time, Mick. That's why, that's why mm. we never made it consistently Same. on the football field. Same, and I'm... Anyway. Well, <laughs> the joys of us is you. Intermediate stuff. So I'll ramble on to I'll ramble on to uh to Saturday and obviously it was a Jekyll and Hyde sort of afternoon. We had, I suppose, the uh the roller coaster that was Grange and Ballinabrana, two twelve Grange, two eleven Ballinabrana. Mm. And um it, it brought actually a very interesting conversation. Myself, Stephen and Joe regularly had the conversation, which we had actually on the last podcast when you were on, about spread of scorers versus individual scorer. And at mm-hmm. halftime, the sides were level. Robert Sanson had scored 2-5 out of 2-6, and Grange had a decent spread at that particular juncture. So really and truly, it's a case, as we've addressed previously, that you're never happy. You're probably looking for the opposite the whole time, but the, the final score is the final score, and that's the uh, the most important asset. But I would have to say, 2-8 in a game of football, playing on one leg, which Samson mm. was, is fair going, number one. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's as good an individual performance as you see anywhere. But to come away on the losing side is gut-wrenching from, from his and Ballinabrana's point of view, I guess. But yeah. it was it was a really enjoyable game. It was possibly the most game, the enjoyable game that I've seen uh, this year, Mick. And um, I think, did, was it a part of this one you got in for and you got the second one or something like that, was it? I got in late. I was coming from another game, so I probably yeah. caught the last. If you include the added time, I probably caught the last fifteen minutes. But in that, mm-hmm. like, there was an awful lot of thrills and spills in it. I mean, there was a sending off. There was a fairly controversial decision off a kick out, where there was a kick out that definitely it didn't clear the D for Ballinabrana, but but was allowed play on. Like, I th- like that was actually a huge moment as well. And that's not criticising. It's just it, it it happened and it wasn't spotted. I think Range were a bit miffed about that. You had John Murphy missing a free. To really provide the insurance score. Remember that one, which again mm-hmm. is very unlike him. I mean, John's super reliable off those. But uh, no, it, it, in the in the time that I saw, it had everything. I think I think Banlerana scored two to level it. Grange went down and got one to take the lead, and then it was really tense and tight after that. But like Grange have brinksmanship like like nobody's business. I mean, if it's tight and competitive. Grange, like you get nothing easy against them. The physicality, the cuteness, they have unpredictability in the form of someone like Alan Fleming. Like he's a very good player. And I know he's only been in and out for them, or I don't think he's been around to be training. I have a feeling he's working away or somewhere. Yeah, well, and, I'll, I'll actually jump in on that because I didn't realize this when I was chatting to him after the game yesterday, but I have been reliably informed, I'll use that term again, since that I think he's over in London and he comes back mm, the weekends for I think the you're right. Now, that's yeah. some commitment. Um, uh, unbelievable. But like, again, that's one of the great things about it. Like it's it's often in places like Grange, the smaller places, like their biggest weakness is their biggest strength. Like they are small. They do have smaller numbers. Things are tight. Like I see, I see Peter Clear, who's actually managing slash training, is listed down in the subs there uh, as some of the replacements yesterday. And so he wasn't togged out like, and Peter hasn't togged in a few years now with injuries and just father time. 
But as you said, the lake of that lake, Alan Fleming is traveling back and forth there for the cause, you know, and turning up and playing games. So it's, again, it's it might be seen as a drawback. He hasn't been training. But sure, it's also a huge plus like to have that bond and that togetherness. And they will not be easy in a semi-final now. That's their, that's their natural habitat is to be in tight games like that. And I've been up against them a few times in tough games, tight games. They're they are they're they're and they're not an easy out for anybody. You know, they have the half back line is very strong, very strong there. Tom Dillon, Killian Murphy, and Henry Hegarty, I think like there's mm. there's everything you want there. Ned Pender across the half forward line. Uh John Murphy is floating around, still doing the business. Um, you know, they and in actual fact, I was only thinking of it about about who might win the intermediate championship. If Grange can keep it together as they are doing for the next couple of years, they have three very good current miners who will be stepping up to the plate: Tom Hughes, Harry Nolan, and Aidan Burrows. And like their their underage uh, performances in Swan are, are fairly positive. Uh, the school I think is going fairly well. You know, Grange are building for the future there still, even though some lads like John Doyle and John Murphy are coming near the end of it. But I think there's something positive in Grange happening. Yeah, no, agree wholeheartedly. And obviously the, the full commentary is there on playback and the article is up on the website for a, a more deep depth look at uh, Grange versus Banner Banner. We'll go on to the second one. And I suppose... Can I, go on, can, I just say, yeah. can I just say before we go on to that, when I came in, I saw Andy Malini was down behind the Banner Banner goal. Andy Malini was down listed as captain. And Andy mm-hmm. is a fierce kind of competitive, kind of a, a real kind of combative type character. And he was out with a shoulder injury. So in mm-hmm. fairness to Van Lebrana, and I saw Colin Byrne only coming on late on as a sub. Or, he he started yeah, so and he, he come back he, on. Yeah, he went off at half time and came back on near the end. And Gary yeah. Dunn is another for, one missing, for, obviously. For Samo, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, anyone, anyone would feel the loss of those type of guys. Now they are key guys for Van Lebrana. So, like the lost out by a very tight margin in the end. But I think they'll feel as if look they're able to come again. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um. Sham Hegarty probably deserves a shout out, actually. He made some great saves, as did David Bourne in the first half of Banner Vanna. I did not know much about David Bourne. I still don't know much about David Bourne, but I was mighty impressed. Big lump of lad. Big physical yeah. presence. Mm. Yeah, I was impressed with his kickouts yesterday, and I was impressed with uh, his shot stopping. He looks uh, mm. looks a really good keeper, in fairness. Second game, mm. I suppose, polar opposite yesterday, St. Patrick's, 11 20 goal. Um, look, I have to just put it straight out. Calaventon Gall were just dreadful on the day. And they know that themselves. I was chatting with Paul Ryan afterwards. It was one of those days. Not went right. Um, I think maybe not went right is is it harsh or is it accurate? I'm just going to actually rethink on that one on the spot. I mean, in the first quarter, possibly, they, they were doing some things right. Um, it was a close game in the first quarter. And then St. Patrick's, uh, I, I think they controlled the game anyway, even though it was close from the get-go. I'm making, I'll, I'll come to you on it now in a moment. But obviously the, the crucial moment is the kick-out that goes astray, which TJ Cavanagh picks up and proceeds mm. to lob Darren Coleman. And from there, it just genuinely looked like Calavin Tony Gall were a beaten docket. Um, didn't recover, obviously. Had a little no. bit of a late rally. And um, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see that margin of uh, of victory for St. Patrick's. Or I didn't see that margin of defeat, defeat for our Calavin 20 goal is probably the better way of putting it. I'm actually impressed with St. Patrick's. I have been since game one. Uh, but what did you make of it? Yeah, well, like, it's actually interesting. As you said, in the first 10 minutes, the first quarter, maybe, competitive game. And it was tight, two points apiece, three points to two, whatever it was at that stage. The two points that Calavin 20 goal got were actually two excellent scores. I think Joe Roberts yeah. got, got both of them. 
And yeah. they, were, they were really confident kicks. Like, I mean, you're thinking, geez, listen, and he's dangerous. Like, he he did a lot of damage versus Sam Pats last year. Um, and the roles were reversed. I think it was two eight to eleven points last year, right? But no, Kildavin, and this is not to rub salt in the wounds, but Kildavin Clonigal will be disappointed with their with their performance. They were flat. Um, when they went behind, they didn't really look like coming back into it. And I think they probably went 40 or 45 minutes without a score. After those two early Joe Roberts points, it was very late on until they scored again. And they just they just couldn't seem to get any kind of rhythm into their play. They had a couple of poor wides. They turned over a lot of ball. Uh, like they really did turn over a lot of ball that was snaffled up by the like of Rob Gann and Shane Rowan. And those two names are significant. I know we'll talk about, I think Jack Kennedy scored 1-8. Um, you know, TJ Kavanagh had a much more controlled performance than he had the last day against Clonmore. TJ now would have really frustrated me the last day against Clonmore. He was too impetuous on the ball, looking to pick uh, unrealistic passes. I thought his performance in particular now was reflective of a difference between the previous game against Clonmore and this one. TJ was much better in possession. His finish for the goal was fantastic. Like, I've no doubt in my mind he was looking to lob and go for goal. And he was just outside the D, I think. Was it just outside the D? Mm. Somewhere around there? Mm. And that was a crucial score. Like That was a real sickener for um, Kildavin because it was a, it was one day feel as if they'll coughed up cheaply off, off a poor kickout, you know. And now TJ had a lot to do to finish it. But just from there, then, I think it was 1-7 to 2 points at half time. And um, listen, Jack Kennedy had his shooting boots on. Craig Staunton scored. TJ Kavanagh had scored. Um, a guy who I thought as well now had a big say in, in, in an improved performance for Tullo was Keane Dorn. Now Keane's a, a, a young guy and he's, he's, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He had great pace. He was an option off kickouts. He definitely won his duel there at wing back with Gavin, Gavin Byrne, I think it was, he was marking or marking him. He won freeze. And I think he provided an awful lot of impetus that I, I think Tullo were missing the last day against Clamore. But, you're, again, you're part of a wider context. Tullo were able to bring in a guy like him, a young, fresh, fit guy with a point to prove. And that's really key when you have games going on week on week, tiredness, form, being able to bring in a fresh guy that's going to strengthen things. So it's, it's gold dust, you know. But the other thing to say, and I'm not going to harp on too long about Tullo, but I just happen to have a fairly good insight in them over the last couple of years. Um like the like the like a Will Dorn, like Will has really shown up. Like Will and Niall Hickey were in fairly direct contact in the middle of the field, and Niall Hickey is an established county player, a very very good player around the middle of the field for Carlo. And Will Dorn really, I think he won that battle. He's pacey, he's powerful, he's really tuned in. Great pair of hands in the air, and he's adding an awful lot. As is Shane Rowan, who's back from injury. As is Rob Gann, who's back from overseas. So I think I think Tullo will be approaching that semi-final with real confidence now, but a little bit of a little bit of a swagger in their play at times there on Saturday. Yeah, there is there is indeed, and there was indeed I should say. <clears throat> so yeah, Arrow versus Tullo and uh, Clomore versus Grange. Now hmm. the thing, just to come back to Grange for a moment, and we will do the proper predictions a little bit later. Um, but like if you look at the scope of, of Granger's three games, so they, they did lose the first two, but they were competitive in all of them. They they narrowly yeah. lost out to more. They narrowly yeah. lost out to St. Patrick's. And then, you know, they uh turned they it saw on won in yeah. a very, very, you know, it was a do or die game, plain, plain mm. and simple. So 
I think we're looking at two interesting semi-finals. Now, no different to just by looking down at the Euro team. That's all. That's all I know of them. I can't gauge. Uh, I can gauge form in the sense that they went through to a semi-final straight away. But I wouldn't know enough or, or have seen enough to to formulate an opinion. So when we're writing something next week, it's probably blinkered in in one sense. I would say, in comparison to. Like Giroux's intermediate team is always a very good intermediate team, and this one looks good too. There seems to be a little bit more on on the youthful side, which can be a positive, which can be a negative, of course. Uh, possibly a game of um, of good pace because Tolo have that bit of pace about them as well, and two good games in general, just to be generic, I suppose. No, there will be. Airog have, like, if you factor in someone like Dean Hayden, right? Like, Dean Hayden is big, strong, powerful guy takes his football very seriously and probably in any other club he's probably going to be on the senior team like he's probably going to be on the top team Mm -hmm. but they are obviously sprinkled in guys like him are sprinkled in amongst lots of youthful pacey guys you're talking about Keelan Brady a brother of Josh who togged for the seniors the first day out Um, and Luke Ramsbottom who was uh, kicking free he's going fairly well You've got, um, who else there, Tom Bean, another really lively, young footballer, nippy kind of a guy. Uh, you've also got, let's say, the like of Ronan Quinlan. You know, mm-hmm. uh, again, lighter, nippier, will be looking for faster ball and trying to be evasive. So, like, I think that's going to be a really good game. Like, both of those teams, Tullo and, and, and Airog, will be looking to play football. I don't see it being, um, listen, we're going to try and shut you down, you try and shut us down. I think it could be a shootout, you know. And what I think might sway it in St. Patrick's favour, I think the like of Will Dorn there, he's in really good form. And going back to him again, he, he will be able to win ball. Craig Staunton will be able to win ball. Uh, TJ Kavanagh can win ball. I just have a feeling that Tullo might be able to get their hands on a bit more possession. And sure, very simple, very simple metrics. Possessions, attacks, shots, scores. But if you're able to get your hands on the ball, like that's 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 a huge part of the puzzle sorted. On the mm-hmm. other side, on the other side, with Clonmore and Grange, um, like Clonmore are again more on the youthful side. Like you're talking Owen Connolly, Rory Maguire. These are lads really starting to establish themselves for Clonmore, and even fellas that are established for Clonmore, like Oshin Doyle. Like Oshin is a, a known quantity. He's still a young fella. He's still under twenty this year. So, I don't know, like, I mean, Paddy Hickey, big physical man, John Murphy, big physical guy, um, Killian Murphy, fine physical fella, you know, uh, Ned Pender, not the biggest man in the world, but established uh, man and adult. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 think, I think Grange will try and exploit that, that kind of seasoned, we'll call them seasoned, that they're maybe that bit more physical, a little bit hardier. But, mm-hmm. I don't know, Billy Lawler... Billy Lawler is a young fella there for Clonmore, but he is hardy. He loves a challenge. He won't be shirking anything there. Luke Connolly, another young fella, but seasoned. He'll probably pick up the like of uh, Paddy Hickey or Cahal Bailey. Be intriguing. I, I, they're tough to call now. Those Both of those games are tough to call. Agreed. So we'll rock on to senior. And I suppose, in one sense, like the, the closeness of Bidenstown, Anton Ryland should lead me to say, well, it was a very exciting game. I can't really say that and be honest about it. I thought perhaps an exciting finale in the sense that our Lachlan and Claude were back and we had mm. a close, a potentially, well, it wasn't potentially, it was a close finish. It could have been extra time. It wasn't extra time. Bynastown got that point to give them that little bit of um, assurance in the game and they were probably a better side. And we'll come to Aerogan and Rangers 
in a moment. I, in general, I don't like being negative, Mick, but I did come away a little bit disappointed by what I saw in Network Cullen Park to a certain extent in terms of I thought there was actually group games that had more bite than, than today, funnily enough. I, I don't know, there was something about it that it had that kind of a weird atmosphere. Um, I found myself at the first half of Airog and one of the surrenders, which again we'll, we'll come to, staring over at a cloud of black smoke. There was something on fire down the town. Hopefully everyone's okay, by the way. But this caught mm. my attention and I didn't feel like I was missing anything. Um, no. Maybe I'm a million miles off of this now, but didn't come away terribly excited. Does that matter to Bindus on Airog? Absolutely not. Do they care about my excitement? Absolutely not. But what did you make of the games yourself? Well, we'll go first things first. We'll do them in order. Like, was the halftime score in Bagelson a lot in 3-2? Is that correct? Was it 3-2 yeah. at halftime? Yeah. Well, like, obviously, obviously 3-2 tells its own story. Uh, like, again, possession. Both teams had plenty of possession. I'd say possession was 50-50 or 60-40 maybe for Bagelson, right? But wayward shooting, some very poor options taken, ball turned over, just, and it was a case of, right, listen, you know, from a Lachlan's point of view, whenever Bagnellstown had it, they retreated. Bagnellstown did a lot of the same whenever O'Loughlin advanced forward. And it did take a long time to come to life. Um, the goal for Danny Doyle, which was off a speculative, and actually, right, one of the most interesting things in the first half was, I was actually going to give Keane, Keane, uh, Keane Doyle a ring and see, was he singing soprano? Did you see what happened early on there where he got a ball into the into the nether regions early on? Poor Keane did. He got a wallop off a pass. And he wasn't expecting it, shall we say, and he was down with an injury. Like, that was didn't, one of the most exciting. Yeah, very, yeah. very, very. Well, I, I, next time you're talking to Keane, ask him. I'd say he didn't know whether to rub yeah. them or count them as the saying goes, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. like, but, like, it, it was uneventful in the first half. Uh, I'm trying to think of the things that I was impressed with. Paddy McDonald kicked at least one lovely free, but he probably had mm -hmm. a couple then he was disappointed with. Um, there was one or, or two other good score. Uh, Oshin, yeah, in the middle of the field, fine big fella. I hadn't didn't know much about him, but he impressed me. The Darren Olin kick one very good point as well. I think, I think Dylan, Dylan and Guider, the two midfielders, well, it, wearing eight and nine, we'll say we'll put it that way. Uh, kicked yeah. good scores. Um, one Keelan Guider got one. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. sure it was on the far side over near your side. They were all um, in identical spots, and Stevie actually made a very good point. I think between at least two out of three scores, yeah, two out of three. The two scores they got from play, because uh, Paddy Matt did kick that free. Yeah. So the two scores from play, and at least three, if not four wides, all came from the very same spot. O over over near the tunnel, we'll say, over yeah. that side there. Yeah. yeah. And you had right you had right footed kickers kicking from that side of the field, which is tricky. Like do you drill it? Do you try and draw it in? But it was just uneventful. And 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 from from O'Loughlin's point of view, the two points was Cahill Coughlin. Did Cahill Coughlin get both of them? Was one from play and one from a free? I tell you now, we'll make in two seconds. We have our, our little notes on the, the notometer here. So Mikey Bamberg kicked the cracker from play in fairness to him and Cockley. Mikey did free. a bigger pardon. Yeah. That's right, Mikey Bamberg. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, look, it did come to life in the second half, but it came to life because I mean it was a case of do or die for O'Loughlin. They had to come chasing it. The goal for Danny Doyle, which was off a speculative ball in, I think it was Keane Doyle. But it just goes to show the value of a ball in around the house. Like if there's nothing else on, like it might be considered a bit agricultural just to lump a ball in around the house, but sure, it works. It often works. And that's where the goal came from. Danny Doyle was alert to it. Um, Bagnellstown had themselves in a great position. Like, they looked to be coasting and were six up, if not seven. They were definitely six up. But they kind of invited O'Loughlin onto them. They made changes, which I thought was very good, because they brought on real athleticism. Jason Wall came in and 
really he got into a kind of a running battle there with Seamus Kinsella. Um, Toss McDonald came on, older brother of Paddy. And there was three McDonalds on at the one time, Liam, uh, Paddy and Toss, right? They're all very athletic fellas. But they did lose their way and they lost their way after kickout, which will be a concern. And the thing that came to my mind then is if you're Tin Ryland management looking at that, you're kind of going, when O'Loughlin really went after the kickout, they won five or six in a row and got scores. And maybe they're thinking if we'd gone for that sooner, you know, they might have a little bit of regret on it. Mm. But what I do think is significant as well for O'Loughlin, I, I said this to you previously, 12 or 13 of those players for O'Loughlin, who are, and a couple of them might think aren't quite fit. Mikey Bambrick concerns me. I don't think he's at full tilt. I think he's kind of minding himself the way he's playing. Those, those trademark burst and runs weren't there. He played a lot of the game in close to goal, maybe minding his energy and minding himself. Aaron Ammond looked a little bit tired today to me. Like, if there was a transfer market going in the GA like you have in soccer, Aaron Ammond would be getting a lot of phone calls. I think he's had a great championship. But it was four, that's four weeks in a row. And in all their games, there was no let up in their games because they had a great comeback against their rogue, lost by a goal. Great game uh, to beat Palatine, uh, come out with the win. Lost by a point to Radfilly and then chasing down a win there today again or trying to come back into that game today. And they just didn't have the bench to really give fresh legs in the previous games or to give lads a rest. They need everything from everyone all the time. And it just, I think it caught up with them today in that regard. That said, I thought Sean Taylor that came in, I think he really made a difference when he came on today. Um, he wriggled out of one extremely tight situation to win a free. And I think he won another free then that Cahill Coughlin popped over to, mm. to make, make it a two-point game. But they just didn't have the depth. And I think with that truncated season, the fact that games are week on week, and especially the difficulty they had coming out of that group, I think that caught up with them today. But this is not to be patronising or anything like that. I think O'Loughlin management in general deserve a lot of credit. They were in a group they weren't expected to come out of. They were people's favourites to be in a relegation, right? When you look at the names, the current county champions of PAL, Aero Og and Radville, they really were seen as the, as the whipping boys in that before the championship started. They gave a great account of themselves in every game. And if there was an award going for the best use of resources available, I think O'Loughlin might get it. Very good off opposition kick-out, very good off their own kick-out. I think it was just a bridge too far today. And the athleticism of someone like Paddy MacDonald, imagine being just a little bit tired, a little bit heavy-legged, and you're, you're, you have to kind of cope with Paddy MacDonald, or Robbie Kane, or Danny Doyle, or Jamie Clark, or Shane Clark. They have a lot of athleticism. And I think that's going to be a, a big concern for Tin Ryland in a semi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And I think a couple of other guys, and we'll come to maybe some of the Bannison guys as well, but uh, the position of, of David Barry today was something that interested me. Um, mm. So for the majority of the game, he was stationed in front of his full back line, essentially, because yeah. we know the way, like, Bannison get their, their men back and they leave two or three up try break quickly and a lot of the games this year they've utilized that direct pass on the counter-attack in towards uh more often than not Robbie Kane but occasionally Keane Dial and Danny Dial actually maybe early in the year too but I think I did I'll often probably identify that now putting Dave Barbrick there I don't know was it a direct result in Bynestown not actually kicking the ball whether they carried organically 
Um, but it did stop them from kicking in the first half for sure. So that's mm. where you could say possibly that worked. And then there was a the part of me thinking it is a cash money two situation, by the way. Do you lose a lot more then by not having him further out the field and what he can bring? And I suppose when you see the point he kicked in the 47 minute, I don't think Dave Barmick's left footed. I think he's right footed. He kicked the crack. No, great score. Um, I don't know if it's enough to say that that's how they lost the game or why they lost the game. I don't think that's fair. But it was a notable aspect of it for me. Um, would you have placed an importance on it or? Could no, I, yeah. I know exactly. And again, I, I was careful. I didn't want to be too close to you at the games today in case it turned into groupthink. But it was interesting yeah. all around me, all around me in the stand. That was a, a, a talking point as well about his positioning and, and the way they utilised him. Look, I suppose from an O'Loughlin point of view, it was a deterrent. If you see David Bambrick there, big athletic fella, good pair of hands, that it is going to deter you from maybe just lumping ball in because, you know, he, he's, he's obviously going to going to win more than his fair share of those. But I know what you're saying, that you're then losing that offensive threat or that kind of attack and impetus from having him there. And it was a case of whenever the game was just, look, we have to go for it. And O'Loughlin did go for it. And like they made a really good fist of it. Ty Groach's goal, David Bambrick's point. But it is a sense of Robin Peter to pay Paul. And I'd say early on, especially first half, listen, I'd say they're thinking, look, we don't want to lose this game in the first half. We want to make sure that we are in with a shout. And then Mm. maybe, you know, kind of full court press. When they went after the kickout and he came forward, like they got a lot of joy. Like... uh, Mm. Ian Atkinson there is a formidable guy in the middle of the field. I know maybe his 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 kind of in uh, possession play could be tightened up a little bit, but I think he can. I think he could really do that. Very competitive, win lots of ball. Uh, Mikey Bambrick, Shawnee Bambrick, Ty Roach, Niall Roach, um, James Dowling is a guy that maybe has gone under the radar a little bit. Um, he was unlucky with one or two wides, but he's a really he's a threat. Look, I just think I just think. O'Loughlin of all teams I think would really have found it difficult to go four weeks on the trot with Mm -hmm. basically virtually all their team playing every minute of every game you know Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah, it's it's, it's a chicken and egg situation with David Bambrick do you push him forward and hope for the best and go and try and win the game or do you keep him back stationed and try not to lose it it's Mm -hmm. it's tricky it's tricky yeah well, look, I suppose uh, you mentioned him there. I was going to give him a shout. It was Ty Roach. I think he's had a magnificent season in terms of man-marking jobs he's done, getting the yeah. ball, carrying it from, from A to B. And, uh, he, scored, another scored another, he scored another goal again today. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's something he's really added to his game because mm. for years, I'd say he wouldn't have even had a shot at goal. And now, yeah. what's he got? Has he got three in the championship? I think he's that's two, uh, there, maybe three. There's two I'm thinking of. Did he did he score one against Pal? I missed that game. Yeah. Did he score I, against Pal? I think I think I, I'm up the correction. I'll have to go back and check the notes. But Eroog, he was um he either scored one or was involved in one. But he's been he's been magnificent. Yeah. Um, so I suppose to switch I'm, it over to Guan Guan. Sorry, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of Ty Roach. I would have had Ty mm. a good lot now through the Colts system and up as far as County Minor and things like that. Very good athlete. A uh, really great character, really solid character. Like he's, he'd be unflappable generally. I find, like as in, Tig is going to turn up and do a job for you. Uh, O'Loughlin really needed that attack and impetus from the like of him because, you know, it can't be expected to fall to Seamus Kinsella, to Aaron Ammond, etc. All the time, Carl Coughlin. So they did need that coming from further out the field, like Tig. He's got great pace. 
He's he's very solid, very durable fella as well. I'm a big, big fan of Ty Roach. Big fan of Ty. Himself and Niall are very different. Niall, big lump of guy, uh, give a hit, take a hit. More, more kind of, um, more kind of uh, old school, I would say, Niall is. You know, big lump of fella. But Tyg is dynamic, and I, I, I think he has a big future. Yeah. A guy that I know you're definitely a big fan of is most of Carlo GA supporters, football hurling, is uh, Alan Corcoran. He returned yes. for Bidenstown today. Now, unfortunately, I suppose, like, Alan Corcoran is a Ferrari, always has been a Ferrari. I was just thinking mm. about this a little bit earlier. Now it's getting to the stage, there's a Fiat engine going in. And it's not because <laughs> he's slowing down. Not because mm. he's slowing down. He still has the pace of a Ferrari. But he keeps breaking down, Mick. Unfortunately, yeah. so today, I mean, you can tell uh, maybe the last couple of weeks have changed a little bit, but he played very. He was uh, hit and miss, not the right way of putting it. The amount of game time he was able to endure during the Hurling Championship was limited. Now, mm. he missed the game last week, not because of injury, just because of another equipment, um, commitment, I should say. But he is such a key player, and I have no doubt, no different. To, it's interesting, actually. I think he was picking up Mikey Barmer today for spells of the game, anyway. The two of those guys, for me, don't look right, and it's obvious Not that there's, there, there is something up. Um, mm-hmm. He's such a key player. What it does make, for me, when you can get Jack McCullough back out to centre-back or out to the half-back line, that gives Bynes on such a platform, because you have... Yeah. Yes, you have that certainty back there with with Alfie. You have Jack then obviously holding the centre, but he's so good going forward. I actually think he's a better footballer than Hurler. Now it should never become one of these arguments, of course, but he certainly wouldn't look out of place starting on a Carlos Senior football team, in my opinion. The position of Danny Doyle, it's something that we've touched upon briefly. I mean, you see what he what he's able to do, where he popped up. A lot of the game today uh, at half back. And the other thing about Bynestown Mick, I felt they're no longer entirely dependent on Jamie Clark and that's not um that is not an insult to Jamie Clark in any way whatsoever it's a it's a compliment yeah you know that's Uh, the the things that I'm seeing with Bynes Sound that I'm liking is that that versatility that um you know other guys stepping up we spoke about Dylan and and Guider kicking the points uh Paddy Max Freeze is something that I keep harping on about but I cannot believe that Ronnie's seen this this year because he's played for a few years at this point Mm. he is so good at them nailed an important one near the end today as well they the are, hmm. they they are um they are serious contenders going into this game against yeah. Tinryland. I will give them a massive shout in that one, Mick. I don't know about you. No, I will, absolutely. I happened to bump into Alan. I hadn't seen him, Alfie, um, in a while on Thursday evening at an under fifteen uh, challenge match in Baglingstown. Tinryland and Baglingstown played another challenge game there. Um, I was chatting away to him, and he look. He's as you said, he is a Ferrari. The the, the problem though with being a Ferrari when you get into your thirties and mid thirties. You see, someone like Alan has that that athleticism. He's capable of hurting himself, right? Other lads are slogging away there, and they don't really get out of third gear. So it's it's consistent, but it's not dangerous. Someone like him is capable of tweaking and pulling and doing a bit of damage because he's able to build tension so quickly. He's so athletic. Now he was he's excellent today, and you're right that him being back there then frees up the like of Jack McCullough to go out and and get more involved in the middle third. And sure, Jack popped up with two points today, um, which is probably directly attributable to that freedom from, from yeah. Alfie, that Alfie provides him, right? Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a real thing of someone like Alfie coming in is more than just one change. It does have a bigger impact. In yeah. relation to Bagnellstown themselves, look, I, I, I listen, uh, Paddy McDonnell is, like besides the freeze and everything else, his athleticism, his ability to recover, 
his ability to recover situations where it might be a 1v2 or a 2v3, whatever it might be, he'll cover ground like no one's business. He's popping up with a couple of crucial scores. Um, he'll win freeze himself because he's so dynamic. Um, you can say the same, Jamie Clark and Shane Clark, besides being such good footballers, are really good athletes. Shane went off today with an injury, and again, mm. I don't know how serious or what it is, but he obviously would be a concern. Like he, he's, he's vitally important. But then you take someone like Robbie Kane, who I know very well. Like Robbie will relish a, a, a tight game. He'll relish a challenge. Robbie is a kind of a, a confident guy that like he wouldn't mind things being tight and close or having a battle on his hands. He'd actually respond well to that. Like I, I think you're going to get the best out of him if he has a point to prove or if he thinks he has a, a bit of a, you know, I mean this in the best possible sense, a bit of a chip on the shoulder. Uh, you won't stop me. Do you know that kind of way? And um, even though he didn't score heavily himself today, he was on a lot of ball and sprayed a lot of ball from, from the terrace side over to the stand side in particular in the second half. Oh no, Bagnestown are formidable. But yeah. Tyn will look at them and think the kickout, when the kickout malfunctioned and they couldn't get possession, like I think O'Loughlin scored 1-2 without reply and that's, that's really what made it such a tight game in the end for a while, you know. So it's all to play for. I'm just looking down there here now again and it's something I intended on making a point of. I just wanted to make sure to be sure first. But if you were told Bagnestown were going to win today, scoring 1-9, well, Auckland obviously got 1-7. And that yeah. Jamie Clark, Robbie Kane and Keane Dyle wouldn't score. Wouldn't score. Yeah. I thought that. Like, no. But that's in stark contrast to Robert Sanson with 2-8, but ends yes. up on the losing side. Or let's say if you're Tullo and you're very pleased with your performance, St. Patrick's performance, uh, Jack Kennedy scored 1-8 of their mm. 2-10 or 2-11. So it's that. It's that in the back of your mind, management will be looking at it going, right, this guy's shooting the lights out, it's great. But what if, you know? And I was saying the same thing when Radvili, when Liam Gavin scored 2-7 out of 2-10. Mm. Now, Liam, Liam has maybe only scored a, a couple of points since. He certainly hasn't been as prolific as that. But other guys have stepped up. That's, I'd be spinning that as a real positive for Bagnellstown that they didn't, they didn't have scores from guys who you expect would get them but they still got over the line and still were, for the most part, quite comfortable. Their own little mini-collapse uh, late on that half will concern them, but it's probably a great way to go into the semi, to be no one getting ahead of themselves, you know? Yeah. I think it would be safe to say, uh, Barn, something crazy happens, that if if you were told one nine one seven, whatever which way, between Tyn Ireland and Bynaston, it wouldn't be entirely surprising next week. No. Make no. First and foremost. Um, I wouldn't have visited it being a high-scoring high game. Now, what was a high-scoring game today, um, I suppose largely to the Aerog side rather than on the Rangers side, 3-13 Aerog, 2-8 Rangers. Now, 2-8 Rangers is not a shabby scoreline. We're saying in no. around that 16-point mark is uh, is winning games. And we just literally said a few seconds ago, you know, we're looking at a 1-9 to 1-7 game decided with, you know, 12 oh. points to, to 10. So games are different, whatever you way you want to put it, I suppose. We can go down all these cliches and throw them out here. But Aerog today, now, I know you kind of touched on it earlier, and maybe it's the best place to start. Ross Dunphy, when he's in mm. that type of form, you described it very well the last time. I think it was the best way you could ever put something to someone who was perhaps maybe a little off colour. You said, wasn't that his usual level of performance? So that is, that's actually a serious compliment. Um, mm. And you can describe it as a backhanded one if you wanted, but 
today he was not just at his usual level of performance. I think he actually raised the bar as well. Is that something you go along with? Yeah, I, I like. I, I think Ross's performances throughout the whole championship so far. I, I didn't see the Pal Aero game because I was in the I was in the grounds, so I couldn't be in two places at once. But I've seen the other games, and I think Ross in is Ross's performance and Ross's championship so far is a rogue in microcosm. It's it's explains where a rogue are. He could have had uh, against Radvili, he could have had two three two four if I remember correctly, right? Um, but he just didn't. And I would say he was looking at the goals, and they probably seemed about that wide, right? Just everything he was looking at. Late on, he tried to steer one over the last day against Ratvili, I think. He just tried to, please God, go over, right? And actually dropped it short. Now, contrast that today. Sean Gannon, in particular, was targeting him because I think they had Richard Cody picking him up. And, like, look, Richard Cody has been an unbelievable servant. But, like, you know, definitely he, 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 his graph is on the, the other way of going, right? And the last thing you want is in that situation is be one-on-one with Ross Dunphy. He's immensely strong. He's deceptively strong, Right. But he had a couple of marks and a couple of points, relatively easy ones. And I'd say it was manna from heaven for him because it got him into the game. He'd broken his duck early. And uh, the next score he got was from a much tighter angle from a mark. And he had it kicked over the bar so quickly that uh, Patrick Murphy actually brought him back to retake it. Do you remember that? That was retaken. Yeah, yeah. But what I thought was significant, he, he wasn't hanging around or I'm going to take my time with this. He just kicked it over the bar. And then he kicked the next one over the bar like he was in the back garden. And the goal he scored, the goal he scored was actually very similar to one he missed the previous day, whereby he's on the end line with absolutely nowhere to go. He stops, he jinks, he turns again, goes in, and basically walked it into the net. Do you remember that for the goal, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, Ross Dunphy, on top of his game, 1-6, you know, is to be expected. Now, 1-6 is a great score. But earlier in the championship, he was getting all the same ball. He was making the same chances. They just weren't they just weren't going in the back of the net or going over the bar for him. And that's probably where a rogue are. In games, a rogue have looked really class, really slick. And in the same games, they've looked pedestrian. And they were a little bit like that today as well. They got into a lead, a six or seven point lead, and they're coasting. And then just sort of seemed to take their foot off the pedal and just were sloppy. And... That's not to discount the work that Rangers were doing. Like, Rangers make it difficult for you any time. I mean, Eddie Byrne and Cormac Mullins and everything were having a bit of a battle in front of us and, you know, just, just making it awkward. But, like, the goal that they conceded as well, the, I know Rangers conceded a poor goal. It was unlucky. Darrell O'Brien ran through and it ended up being an OG, I think. But Johnny Fury would have conceded one on his near post that you would think, you know, on another, like, he, he probably shouldn't let that in. And they probably let a couple of kickouts go astray. But I still think A-Rogue aren't maybe quite sure of what's their best team, who's in the best position and where. Paul McGilligan came in and looked quite assured. Cormac Mullins came on and I think probably had a score again fairly quickly. Um, Ross Dunphy clicked. But like Colm Hulton probably chipped in with 1-1 with one, one or 1-2 one, as well, did he, early yeah. on? 1-1, one, one. yeah. 1-1. Yeah. One, one, one. Um, I, I don't know. If a rogue click, if a rogue can put on a 60-minute performance, Jordan Morrissey back is another huge plus. I mean, he chipped in with a couple of nice points and he's always going to win your ball and, 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 and take watching. If a rogue click, I think they're capable of blowing teams away. But they just they just haven't found their groove yet. That's how I describe it. They're just not seen to be in the groove. But they're in a semi-final. But they're in a semi-final. Yeah. 
they'll be happy enough to be looking for it in the semi-final as to looking oh, for, for sure. knocked out. Yeah, so, and, yeah. And, and scoring 313. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So from a Rangers point of view, Chris Nolan got his red card overturned, got to yeah. play the game. Um, but he scored, he scored 1-1 actually. I don't know how he... Johnny Thorne is, I think, I don't want to be misquoting you there, but probably will be disappointed. I'll put it that way anyway, if you haven't put it directly like that, to yeah. concede the goal from Chris Nolan. Probably shouldn't have went in. Being Just on his near, on his near, on his, on his near post there, kind of. Yeah. Thing. He, he, he'd probably look yeah. back at it and think, I, I wish that didn't happen, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I suppose the goal they got um, in the first half came from... Ted Joyce. You know, yeah, there was a there was a break. I think was Chris Nolan fouled. I think Chris Nolan might have been fouled. And do you know what? The, I'll I'll come to something indirect. He gets up, takes a quick free, spots Ted Joyce, who's also a few yards further in on goal, and he slotted it away. I think by taking that free quickly, he saved Owen Byrne from getting either a black or a yellow card because right. it was a stonewall well, cynical foul. Well, I have to be really honest here. I was kind of glad to hear your black smoke down the town story that you got distracted because the exact same thing <laughs> happened to me. For that goal, like yeah. at that period in at that period in the game, a rogue were starting to stretch the legs and were getting on top. They'd been fairly dominant, and I actually turned away. Someone tapped me on the shoulder, and I missed that goal. I saw it just about going in the back of the net, but I missed the build up to it. Yeah. But I think that's it's kind of like your situation. I, it, it, the game was starting to peter out at that even at that early stage, and mm. that goal livened things up again. You know, but yeah, yeah. and short short lived unfortunately because. I think that was in the 40 minutes, and then Holton gets the goal a couple minutes later. Yeah. And it, it just nearly, took the good over for them. It just took the yeah. good over for them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really um, did. Now, what Aero did do, um, which not many teams have done this year, is lined out near enough, I think, if not entirely, as slated on the program, which I thought was, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, Rangers probably, to their credit, made one change in personnel, um, which isn't and wasn't too bad, but. Uh, Tim, I guess to a stage, I actually have it here. Only, maybe only Tim Brennan, only Tim Brennan, I think, was in or was changed. Yeah, was it? so Chris Nolan came in and then there was a few positional changes as a result. But I think yeah. Aero positions and all lined out. So this is what we're resorting to now, which I don't know if people can make out, but we have um, well, initials. I'm actually just starting it out that way because. Well, do you know the way? Well, do you know that, like, obviously there's people that still do collect programs for, for big games or, or just, just like to have it as a record or a kind of an artifact of, of, of games from years ago. They're fairly meaningless now because even if the mm. team, like the teams never start as they are. Like I, I can't remember when a team lined out exactly mm. as, as was in the program. But even positions, like the, the game is so fluid now. Like the idea of someone being an imposing fullback and that's where they play or, you know, someone being a, an out and out uh, corner forward. It's just, it's gone. So Barry, you're at the game and Barry, you see things with your own eyes or you see footage. Like the, the uh, programs, they're great to have, and you need to have them, and sure they are still helpful, but they're they don't bear relation to what's actually happening on the pitch anymore. Positions, mm. personnel, it's not, it's not, it's it's not going to be as useful as they were years ago. Looking back on things, it just won't yeah. be indicative of what happens. Mm. Brian Dunhill asked me uh, about Rangers a couple of weeks ago. Are they the most dangerous team in the championship? And you know the description I use, I'm sure, but uh, it's proven correct again. <laughs> They have, uh, uh, they've let they've let the neutrals down or whatever. But you know, I used the term infuriating before, and I I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's unfair to um to suggest that. But they're an awful team to go through the motions at times, and they have uh, serious quality, serious serious quality. And I do wish at some stage they 
they push on because, as we said, we have that bit of quality. Like, I suppose they're heavily dependent on someone who is still a chap. Uh, I think Chris Patrick is still a chap. And yeah. probably, in the game a probably in the game a little bit more today, Fikra, but by and large, in the last two, hasn't been as prominent as maybe previous times. Donna Murphy, and again, very, very conscious because of the age and pressure and stuff like that. Yeah. Donna Murphy, for me, put in the best individual performance I have ever seen in a minor football final. Yeah. I don't remember anyone scoring yeah. nine or ten points from midfield, from play. Hmm. And you can see flashes of brilliance in his senior performances, which, again, by admission, he is still only a kid. Yeah, They need those guys eight out of ten performances every day, at least, because they are that good, you know? They do, and I look like I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying there. The 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 kind of counterpoint I'll offer to you is is that Rangers have already played and won a championship, and I know I know we're we're on the football podcast and the football part of the season now, but if I'm going to maybe you know address the fact that oh Lockton have been out four weeks in a row with virtually the same personnel all the time in in all tough competitive games. I suppose from a Rangers point of view, they've had all their hurling season and then come into the football season. Now, I don't dispute your point. They have mm. lots and lots of really good of, of really good footballers. Eddie Byrne was a very good underage footballer there with Carlo and under 21 and that kind of thing, right? Kevin McDonald, I think, were he to focus on football, has all the attributes. Um, great game sense, big athletic fella, good football skills. Donna Murphy, you've mentioned. Fieker Fitzpatrick, an obvious one. Um Dermot Byrne, if he catches the ball, like, I mean, whether off the ground or from his hands, like, he's well able to play football. And we could keep going on here. Suppose the thing is, any Rangers person will look at it and go, that's grand, Kevin. I'll I'll take that from you. Tell me how much hurling is going on in Aerog. Tell me how much yeah. hurling is going on in, in, in Tin Ryland. So I, I see where you're coming from. I, I would lament it as well a little bit. I think that they have more in their tank than they're showing. But I suppose it just isn't a priority, and, and that's that. The priority is hurling, and that's the way it is. And I, I, I suppose they'd say, aren't we doing very well in a championship that's very much second fiddle to us? Same, mm. same as Sam Mullins. Same as Sam Mullins in that regard. Yeah. Um, in, in, in that regard, just to mention the point, Town Gales, are, are, like, they're really pushing in hurling and football. you know. And it's probably a matter of time with the age profile and with the numbers that they have. It's probably a matter of time until they are claiming championships in either, you know. So it's possible, but it's not easy. Put it mm. that way. Now, this is a complete tongue-in-cheek comment, so I don't want anyone to take any offence. But uh, I was looking at Jack Murphy today, and I was thinking, it's a bit like the 2023 Senior Football League final. Who's on? Who's off? Who's back on? Who's off? Yeah, um, I, I, was, I was following that because he had kicked a good point. In the first half, right? I thought he had started. He's injured, by the way. Just put out there, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. no, he, he, I, I, I yeah. didn't, I didn't know that. But he had kicked a good point, right? And, and I'm fairly sure he did, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then he came, then he came over for a fairly lengthy discussion uh, with management right in front of us at the stand, and then he was off, and then he was back on, and he was heavily strapped up going back on, you know. So, like that's that's obviously very difficult. Like if you're trying to do that, he, he had started well, was on a bit of ball, and kicked a good score. Came off clearly an injury of some description, but then back in again. Like that's that's obviously very very challenging. And I think, like in terms of injury, Sh Sean Gannon kicked the ball out over his shoulder. Typical Gannon eyes in the back of his head or the side of his head anyway. Late on, and he kicked the ball out over his shoulder into space up up the left half forward position. 
But I was watching him and he, he pulled up virtually immediately and basically stopped moving for that and then went off with an ice pack on it. And Sean Gannon, if you're Rat Philly, like they would be licking their lips at the idea that Sean Gannon may or may not be available. And I'm not preempting it, but I thought that was significant. The game was more or less over. I didn't see Rangers coming back into it or getting the win. It didn't have a threat. It didn't look to me like a threat of Rangers are actually going to go back into this game, even though they made a good fist of it. But Gannon, of all players, um, for, for A-Rogue, he's still a talisman, if you want to use that term. He still makes things tick. I think he probably had it in his head, I'm going to put ball into Ross Dunphy here today and get this guy firing. It's probably, I presume it was organised, but Gannon's that kind of guy. He can get more out of fellas around him. But mm. from an injury perspective, is Sean 35 now? Is he 35, 36? Yeah, I think a minor in 06. I had him in school. I, I, I had him in school, so I don't like even thinking about that, because what does that say about me? But... Um, <laughs> But he, he has he's playing a long time with a lot of miles on the clock, right? He's he's a, he's a 36 year vintage, but he has a lot of miles on the clock with lots of football played. I'm interested to see what way he is now for a semi final with Ravilli because he would still take a lot of their attention. I hope he's fit from his own point of view. Yeah, and another one in that regard, Benny Kavanagh, I guess you know because uh, I think he Same. made way after 30 33 minutes now. Just on that point, I suppose, when we move on to Rafili and Eirog, and I am conscious of the time, these podcasts do get a bit longer as championships go on. And thank you very much for uh, for being so good with your time. I really do appreciate that. And that's not to sound um, patronising or condescending or any of those terms. But on that note, Mick, looking at that Eirog full-back line, it's not, um, it's not plentiful in terms of size. You spoke about high balls earlier. Is that somewhere Rafili be looking to straight away? It's probably somewhere I might be looking at if I was Rafili. The, the last game you had a strange, unusual situation of you had number eight on number eight in front of the goal. You had Mark Fury uh, wrestling a good bit there with Brendan Murphy in front of the goal for, for long periods. And that's clearly that's clearly dealing with that threat. Like, as in, that's a specific ploy for them to deal with that. It's like we said with David Bambrick. If you're putting Fury back in there, a, a rogue will probably be happy to sacrifice him doing that because they have personnel to fill in out the field. But it would be a concern, I'd say. Yeah, I think it would be a concern for them. And it's just not it's just not settled. Like like Benny Kavanaugh went off. Benny Kavanaugh needs no introduction. Like really excellent player going forward, defending, has it all. But again, he's not in the first flush of youth either. And this is where we're, I keep going back to it. Games week on week. Radville have had the benefit now of that week off. Freshen up. Uh, change the training a little bit, you know, just maybe take the foot off the pedal, even mentally, even concentration-wise. Whereas a rogue had to go out and try and find form today. There's the potential of a couple of injuries in it. Paul McGilligan came in and did very well for what he had to do uh, for a rogue, but it just isn't settled. That's 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 my thing with a rogue. They're they're just they just don't seem to be in a groove. I keep going back to that. And of all teams to test you, like uh, Alan Kelly. You know, to test you and pump in a high ball in on the square. Brendan Murphy to be in there. Um, uh, the like of Brian Murphy to come in off the line. Like, obviously, Radville will be a totally different proposition than Rangers were today. Um, like, these are tough to call now. These are tough to call. The more I think of them, these are really, really tight games to call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, before a ball was kicked, Radville were 5-1 to win the championship. And a rogue were... Not, I think the rods on favourites actually with some of the bookmakers, but definitely were favorites. five to one to win the championship. Yes. I don't, I don't know, like I, I've never put a bet on in my life, right? Thanks be to God, mm. but uh, five to one for that Philly. 
before a ball was kicked in the championship. Yeah, yeah. Well, so now they're favourites as we speak. They are going mm-hmm. to favourites, and Aerog are are next, pretty close to them, obviously. Uh, like I, from what I saw Rafili last week, I didn't see Rafili at their at their absolute best last week. That's the first mm-hmm. thing I have to say. I seen glimpses of absolute brilliance and excellence, but I don't know if it was their best performance this year. Uh, going on what I've been told, but from what I saw, I saw stuff that you can only be impressed by, but I also saw complacency last week against the All Auckland that game, Mick, and uh, Brian Dunne, who has said it uh, several times, that shot selection is an issue. Um, hmm. They fell into that trap last week. If they start falling into that next week, and I do believe that Aerog will probably make things a bit more compact, knowing that that's somewhere they, where they could sucker them, uh, they have guys that can kick from range. We know Brendan Murphy can kick from range. Alan Kelly is not bad from range either, mind you. But no, there's other guys, unfortunately, think they're Brendan Murphy or Alan Kelly on occasion and their percentage shots for them. So hmm. that's something that they may have to be aware of. I do agree with you. I think it's an incredibly difficult, difficult contest to, to call. I think all, I think both of the games are, to be quite honest. I, I think Radfilly and Nairog in particular are going to bring out the best in each other. I think Radfilly... Radfilly can dominate games, but they often play to the level of the opposition. That's I, I, maybe I'll be shot for saying this now, but I often right. find with, I often find with with, with Radfilly in particular, they can they can play to the level of the opposition. They can kind of do what's required, right? But they've been fairly consistent in their scoring. Two ten the first day versus Pal, even though I know it came late. Two ten sixteen points. 16-14 versus Aero. Aero. So again, sixteen points. What was the score last day? Was it was it was it fifteen one twelve or something? Fifteen one one eleven. Fifteen to one eleven, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. So so like they've scored two ten sixteen and fifteen points, right? And now they could have had a good lot more against. Um, they could have had a good lot more against All Auckland. The two players that I think that I, again to, to talk about maybe guys that go under the radar a small bit. Brandon Kelly is a player I love watching. Right, I really enjoy watching Brandon Kelly. He's a schemer. He's he doesn't fit your prototype image that you have these days of Gaelic footballers that are six foot and you know 80 kg, you know, chest out to here. He is, he's impish, he's cheeky, he looks for things that aren't necessarily conventional. He'll see a pass that maybe someone else doesn't see. He'll get up to mischief, he'll ship in with a score. I think his performance against Aerog is going to be key in how Aerog deal with him. And the other guy is, he's still a young man, a guy I have a lot of experience of from underage and things like that, Connor Doyle. Connor mm. is as honest as the day is long. He's a brilliant athlete. He is a great competitor. I don't think he chips in with enough scores that his play deserves or that his play should warrant. He can kick an unbelievable score, but he can also maybe balloon one sky higher, balloon it wide. And I think... The Brendan Murphy factor and the Brian Murphy factor and these guys, they're known quantities and I think they're going to turn up. Those guys never don't turn up. But I think it's going to be the like of Brandon Kelly, the like of Conor Doyle. And does, uh, is it possible for Liam Gavin to put on the shooting boots like he did the first day 2-7? So I think those guys are going to be key. Yep, absolutely. Make anything else that before we wrap it up? No, uh, look, really, we're down to the business end of it now. All teams would have been thinking, look, let's just get to a semi-final and it takes on a life of its own. I think I'm really looking forward to guys, like I mentioned, Brandon Kelly coming under the radar a bit, uh, Cormac O'Brien, Killian Fagan with Tenryland, 
Morris Lawler is starting to chip in with a few scores. Um, it's going to be exciting. Looking forward to it. Sure is. Mick, thanks a million for your contribution to the programme again. Um, really, really enjoyed the chat and uh, best luck with uh, all the teams that you're involved with. You're great. You're one of the few lads that is involved with several teams still this late into the year. So uh, keep this the test out the there year. and keep beating it there. <laughs> well, 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 the one thing I just wanted to say this now as well, it was a good day for the Clarks in general of Baglinstown because Kyle Clark, young fella, refereed an under-13 game this morning to Ireland and Aska and did a brilliant job on it. I thought he was really, really assured and really good. And it's great to see young fellas getting involved in refereeing. We need them. We do indeed, for sure. More than any other county, I think. By sure, we're sure. Much appreciated. Thanks a million. Take care. Thanks, Kevin.